And I was out in Shamrock, Texas on my way back from the event in, or in Marba Falls. And I pull into an old tourist trap town. And here's a giant Tesla charging station. Now I've started watching. I see them more than I ever thought. I never paid attention to it before. Right. They're everywhere. Audio Jeeper, tonight's uh, Jeep Talk Show Roundtable sponsor is TrailsOffRoad.com. They make the best off-road trail guides. The Trails Off-Road team uh, maps trails, creates highly detailed guides so you can choose your type of adventure from the beaches of the Atlantic and the Pacific or the Great American Deserts, all the way to the highest mountain passes. You can find overlanding, backcountry, and dirt roads or rock-crawling trails that suit you. Visit TrailsOffRoad.com right now, and if you're a Jeep Talk Show Patreon subscriber, get a big discount to sign up for their their subscription. Hi, I'm Tony, and welcome, boys and girls, Jeepers of all ages. I'm your host, and I'm excited to have you here for this special gathering of passionate Jeep enthusiasts. Uh, it's going to be a little EV-centric uh, episode tonight, uh, which which is okay, I guess, if, if you like that sort of thing. We're going to be talking, and the questions we're going to be asking is, uh, Tesla's Cybertruck and Rivian trucks, both EVs, have airbags as part of their suspension. Hell, I don't know. It could be their entire suspension. Should our Jeeps use airbags? This was a question that somebody posed on our Discord server. Uh, if you'd like to be uh, join our Discord server, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, see the invitation there. Uh, our next question is going to be, are you considering buying an EV, truck, or car, and would it replace your Jeep? Our third question, what would it take for you to replace your ICE with an electric power plant and electric motors? ICE is internal combustion engine. Will electric vehicles ever fully replace ICE vehicles? Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep Talk Show with hosts Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. So you can be part of our discussion. Everyone is welcome. Subscribe to our newsletter and get weekly reminders of our roundtable meeting or visit jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to join. Whether you're a diehard Jeep enthusiast or just starting to explore the world of off-roading, we're thrilled to have you as part of this discussion. So buckle up and get ready for an exciting and informative conversation that's sure to fuel your passion for all things Jeep. All right, uh, so I got I got to plug it again, guys, uh, because uh, you know you're not supposed to hide stuff under a bush or something. Feedspot.com has found us to be the number one Jeep show in, and in the top ten talk shows out of thousands of shows. Now let me get you to sink that. Let that sink in. Number one Jeep show. Okay, there's not a lot of Jeep shows out there, but we're the number number one. It's it's wonderful to, to have that uh, uh, that uh, designator. I absolutely love it. Uh, but the top 10 talk shows, so not just about Jeeps, not just about off-roads, not automotive, just talk shows. Top 10 talk shows out of literally thousands of shows that they check, again, at Feedspot. So you can go over to uh, Feedspot.com and uh, look up uh, both uh, the number one Jeep talk show and uh, it's actually look for the top 30 talk shows out there. We actually made it to number six in that uh, list of 30. So JTS uh, Chick Chat is every other Monday with Julianne and Wendy, uh, a woman-centric episode. Doesn't exclude men, uh, but the the focus is uh, women uh, off-road and uh, women doing stuff with uh, Jeeps and uh, off-roading. So uh, we most recently uh, interviewed Peyton from America's Most Wanted 4x4. Now, Now get this, guys. 
She is their lead welder. There's, they got two welders there. She is the lead welder at 21 years old. I mean, that is just amazing to me. She is, she's killing it. I think if you haven't seen any of the America's Most Wanted uh, vehicles, they are just amazing um, uh, vehicles, high dollar uh, vehicles. And uh, they have a woman and a, a young woman uh, handling all the welding for that stuff. So that, that just, to me, is just amazing. I, I don't, I'm sure I would be too nervous to do such a thing if I even knew how to weld. So trailsoffroad.com is more than our roundtable sponsor. They also have a great discount code for our Patreon subscribers. 25% off. This is huge. A, a big thanks to trailsoffroad.com. And they gave us this, uh, this discount code long before they, came a spon- before they became a sponsor of the roundtable. So they've been doing this for months. So all you have to do is be a Patreon subscriber. Uh, and, uh, you know, being a Patreon subscriber helps the show you love and helps you uh, get great products like trailsoffroad.com. As little as $5 gets you started supporting the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. All right, so uh, again, I always say this, this is my favorite part. Uh, hello, uh, Zoom people. Yeah, hello. 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 What's going on? <laughs> hey, uh, real quick, Tony, why didn't you go to uh, Forefest, uh, the Detroit Forefest? ATV trip. Ah, that just sucks. Yeah. Well, did yeah. you have a good time? Did you break anything? Almost broke my back and my wrist. See, uh, see, like this is why. Are mixed up. Yeah, this is why you should have gone to the Detroit Four Fest. You, you could have uh, <laughs> broke your back there and sued somebody. Um, <laughs> no, no, never sue, uh, never sued them. So uh, this is a bit self-serving, but I, I'd like to know for any of our Patreon subscribers here, uh, what made you decide to become a Patreon subscriber? Was it all the bitching and moaning I've been doing? No, it's primarily I wanted to. I'd been. Uh, kind of a rat bastard for a long time and i just i figured that would be the best way for me to support them so i thought i'd do that and if i can grab a discount here or there i'll do that as well i'm how i'm hoping that we're getting a guff good discounts there that it uh it makes the whole thing a win-win so it it doesn't really cost you anything i mean it's like the age-old thing you know honey it was on sale it's i saved money you know by spending money uh, i understand but if it's something you're going to get anyway uh and it right. costs you less then it is kind of a win-win Yep, Rick, for sure. Rick, Rick from Arkansas. It was uh, purely the discounts. Had nothing. Very good. <laughs> so you're, there's a gut punch. <laughs> Just wow. Kidding. Just kidding. Rick, Next Rick's, time your duck is floating down a river, we ain't picking it up. <laughs> Rick's, Rick's audio kind of dropped out on me, so I couldn't really hear what he was saying. Uh. <laughs> it's just as well. <laughs> good. Well, thank you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to ensure everyone is on the same play, uh, pay, same page, please introduce yourselves with uh, your name and location on the first time you speak. This will help our listeners connect with you on a more personal level, because uh, I know that's what we're, we're all about, is uh, getting more personal with all our listeners out there. So, the first question, Tesla's Cybertruck and Rivian trucks, both EVs, have airbags as part of their suspension. Should our Jeeps use airbags? This is Roger from Wisconsin. I think uh, I've actually been looking into airbags for the rear springs yeah. in mine, but I've been looking into them for the purpose of pulling the trailer because I get a little extra squat when the trailer's on and I got all the gear. So Airlift makes a, a set of airbags that you can stick right inside your springs and a Schrader valve that you mount someplace on the rear of the Jeep. And then whenever you're going to haul that extra weight, you just air them up so that your, your vehicle's sitting more level and then when you're off, off road wheeling, you just air them back down. 
Hey, everybody, anybody here remember air shocks? That was a big, uh, <laughs> easy way to lift the back of your oh, vehicle yeah. way back when. That's basically what they are, airlift. Yeah, Steve from Illinois. I'd say it was Roger. I had a uh, Honda Pilot that I would tow a pop-up camper with, and I'd get that squat going in the back, so i put the airbags in. And same thing, you just pop the compressor on for towing applications that work really, really nice. Yeah, this is Pat from Iowa. There's uh, somebody that, and you maybe have been talking about this already. There's somebody that makes a complete airlift suspension now for JLJT, um, and you can basically adjust the the right height and settle it down uh, when you're when you're parking. I don't know if that's airlift or not. Airlift, airlift. I I thought theirs were mostly just like a helper spring, basically. Yeah, I, I can't think of the name. I'll have to look it up, but. But it's, a, I mean, it's expensive, but it's a complete set, front and rear. This well, Kevin, that's the amazing thing about the airlift. They ain't that expensive. Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. Um, there's been a few people that have used airbags in crawlers, and you can do it, and they work. The only catch with it is, just like with an air locker, you're more susceptible to taking damage from a tree or a sharp stick or a sharp rock or something where... You know, an airline's not that big of a deal to replace, but if you pop a bag, that's a big deal. You got to hit it with something pretty sharp in order to pop one of them bags. Well, that, that's pretty, kinda, pretty, that's, pretty that was going to be my question: Whoa. is how how damage? I mean, how easy is is how easy is it to damage these things? And would you want it as your primary suspension, like no coil? I get I, the feeling. I don't know this, but I get the feeling that the Tesla Cybertruck and the Rivian truck that is their primary way of of lifting the body up off of the. The, the the bottom part, you know, the axles, or if you will, they don't have axles, but you know what I mean. So if you damage the airbag, are you going to be dragging your body on the on the tires? I wonder if where they got their bump stops set up, or, or, or in a manner that if you lose all four airbags, you're you're still you're still drivable on the bump stops. Maybe that would make sense. I would hope that would be the way it was set up. Yeah, or some kind of limiting strap. I guess it's or some kind of a limiting strap of some sort. Yeah, the manufacturer of the one that I had been seeing uh, on Quadratech and things is AccuAir. Yes, uh, Gray Wolf just posted that. Uh, holy shit, that's $7,000. <laughs> that's a <laughs> lot. Through that. Yeah, that's oh. those guys in San Francisco that get the fancy Jeeps. I mean, that's when, I mean, when you want to make your Jeep uh, behave like a Land Rover or something, those are the guys who could probably go for it. And everything, you know, controlled by your app. It goes up and down independently and whatnot. I mean, I don't know if you want it. Yeah. I, I have, kind of have a problem for people that want a smooth ride in a Jeep or really any truly off-road vehicle that you take off-road. Uh, you can't feel what's going on, and uh, it's it's like uh, wheeling with a condom, you know? It's just not as, as enjoyable. I, I thought that's why we let the air out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really for grip, but it does make the, the ride more comfortable. Oh, yeah. uh, well, there's there's comfort and then there's air. There's comfort and then there's way too much comfort. I would disagree with uh, not wanting to be comfortable on the energy. <laughs> so when you're on uh, those, um, like the, it's like the surface of the washboard. Think about it, not the washboards, but like we're just like pit rocks everywhere, little small boulder type things. And you're going down, you're on like your second or third mile, and it's just beating the living shit out of you. Getting out cranking your adjustable shocks down to uber soft and you know maybe letting some more air out of the tires all of that is all of that is about you know making the ride softer and smoother and 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 better right i mean even if you're not adjusting shocks right 
besides traction, the other big reason you let air out of your tires is, is for comfort. It's just to make it where it doesn't, you know, beat the crap out of you going down the trail. So I don't think there's an issue with it. My, my only problem with them is, you know, we do a lot of crazy articulation. Maybe something with the Acura would take that into account or whatever, but I'd be worried about popping a bag or, or something like that. And then, then kind of what happens, right? So it's, it's like, what is the recoverability of that system? And, you know, if you, I mean, if you overextend or whatever, you pop a spring out, quite often you can put that spring back in on the trail with a quick trail fix or whatever, right? I don't know. I don't know what you would do for a trail fix for a, a popped bag or, or something like that. that, that you're, be- eliminating, you're eliminating the spring with that AccuAir. That's actually a system I've been looking into this past week. And I'm, I'm impressed with it from what I've seen online and what I've read. And obviously, everyone there is going to give, you know, great feedback. Um, but it's a system I've looked into. They're, you're eliminating the spring. Um, it's got two systems that come together. And they have a bag in the center. The center bag has two posts basically running up through with basically a cool spring inside that system. So it's a three and a half inch lift. You can go up and you can bring it down. It's got a built-in air tank, obviously, um, to fill up your tires. It's a good setup from all the research I've been doing, but I have not met anyone with it. I know... Two SEMA bills last year had the new off-road system they've got going, and I, I'm going to continue doing research. It's one I, I, I planned on going rock crawler, and this is a system I'm looking at now. Just it caught my eye on one of the SEMA builds, and I was like, "Let me do some research." So I'm putting it out of the water. This is about the performance is there, right? I think that when you look at stuff like that, it's been tested. The performance is great. I I'm not questioning that. I'm, I'm just saying if you are off road and you suffer a failure in the bags, you know, what, what are your, your options? I'm assuming they're, they're obviously tough bags. These are bags aren't new, right? I, my last yeah. two vehicles for my wife have been running airbags. So the systems aren't new. There's a lot of fail safes, but you know, on a Jeep, you beat the crap out of it. And I know, I think, Splash, you said Land Rover equivalent or whatever, right? But I, I kind of feel like we maybe put ours through a little bit more than Land Rovers go through with the way we do all of our articulation, everything with solid axles, everything. So I, I, I'm interested to see how tough an airbag system would be off-road. Performance, Travis, like you're talking about, I have no doubt the performance. Yeah. John, John, I don't think that's fair. Have you ever sat in line at a Starbucks? Those Land Rovers are really needing this thing, especially if they need to get to work and go over the the little uh, bumps, you know, there to get out of line. So, so let me ask you this: If you have the airbags suspension and the TJ, will it help you float through the obstacle versus? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rick. Rick, you want to comment to that? (laughs) Rick, Rick is investigating pontoons. (laughs) amphibs he wants amphibs yeah Yeah. and those anabag kits will probably help you out too those are a lot like those buoys for boats yeah that way you can fill all your ducks up with air so they float better so so when you when you see when you see rick in his cab with the with the bulb from the from the pressure the blood pressure cuff and he's constantly pumping that's what he's doing he's trying to make sure he doesn't sink so a friend of mine told me that you should uh, duct tape your uh, rubber duck so it doesn't explode <laughs> <laughs> some of you guys get that joke <laughs> yeah, yeah. gotta plug the hole in so the bottom this of the is bottom. bob from colorado and i just gotta ask is nobody gonna ask tony what he knows about wearing a condom while wheeling 
Why is that even well, something? Hey, uh, a helmet and a condom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just protection. Yeah, I was going to leave it left on side. <laughs> Sometimes I get a little overexcited, Bill. I mean, Bob. See, I like that. <laughs> just be careful where you got in line with with Tony. That's all that matters. Well, Bob, we were having a great Jeep conversation. Where's Chip? <laughs> just like That's why that shirt exists, Bob. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is Mitt and Tony from Michigan. Uh, I think those add a pack. Those like add an airbag systems for the coils, like airlift. Are yeah, those are pretty useful if you're hauling like a trailer or mm -hmm. something. Yeah, that but makes sense. Don't really want to change your suspension too much, especially if you have a way to evacuate them, because then they're completely inactive, just sitting dead inside your coil. When it comes to actual airbags for suspension, like your your general airbag i would stay clear away for off-roading i don't see how it would have the the actual reactiveness to flex and sway the way you would want it to off-road if you're going to go I with would. some sort of air suspension with a crawler i would go way more with an air strut like uh what was it the ori's something like that where you can adjust your air levels as you need, especially if you have onboard air like a power tank. But oh, you're not relying on a rubber bag. Yep. You charge but, it with nitrogen and you can change the level you need with the nitrogen. Exactly. Yeah, then you rely then you still have your steel tubes, steel pistons. They do work. If you go look at uh, Dirthead Dave, his Mazda's on bags and like they'll work. Well, and you can flex with air. You can still flex with airbags because generally, if you get airbags and you get, and you and you need flex, they're just mounted on one side or the other. They're not mounted top and bottom. Right. Generally, they're mounted on bottom, and then it just, there's just a, a plate that's above them. Well, in comparison to a regular coil spring, especially when you aren't really benefiting any, if at all, um, from switching to an airbag when it comes to off road. Where at least with the I truck, you're deleting multiple parts, you're creating way more free sway and articulation in your axles. Well, and I would never want to reserving the rigidity of your suspension. I would I mean, never want to use airbags to get a lift, though, because I mean, if you got airbags and you're using airbags to give yourself a three and a half inch lift, aren't you also making your suspension more stiff? At the same time. Exactly. The yeah. more air you pump yeah. in, the harder your suspension is. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, you, you wouldn't use the bags as a like adjustable lift so much as you would like a coil. You'd set them to a certain point where you want your height and you're just using air as a softer ride than a coil. Well, I mean, I know, really, I know I'm talking really about something that is uh, unusual, at least for our, our internal combustion engines, but I believe that the Rivian truck does use the airbag uh, airbag system to uh, achieve a higher lift when it goes off road. I will it, also is it say that, or is it like the coil or not coil, the shock bag combo, like what they've been putting in the back of Lincoln's and popping for years? Uh, I do not know. That is, I, I just remember that, that is it, what it is. Okay, which there was two options there, Travis. It, it's it's the <laughs> bag shock combo. It's one solid unit um, within itself. 
But it's all four corners. With the bag. Yeah. It's all four corners. Correct. And yeah. it's it set at three and a half inches um, is what it's set to. So you get a three and a half inch lift just putting it on. You can drop it to get in your driveway or for whatever reasons you need to drop it. Um, or you can raise it. Uh, not, I, I don't remember the specific number on, on how high you can raise it to. I may be wrong on this, but I heard 12 inches. I will uh, also yeah, say, I believe, you're wrong. I believe the most forgotten EV truck SUV that's never talked about, the Hummer EV, also rides on air ride. You, you know, I think what the big, biggest difference for me between having airbags on my Jeep as a sole, as a sole suspension component versus just springs and shock is you're looking at, do you want something mechanical, easy to, easy to fix potentially? Or do you want something that's got more more bells and whistles that with more shit that can go wrong? You got an air leak or airline breaks or or you know trader valve gets ripped off or you know there's just a lot of, a lot more stuff to go wrong. Springs and shocks ride through they work just fine. We're off road going what five mile an hour. We're we're not off road going forty five miles an hour. So comfort really isn't an issue. So I would think. Way. Uh, at its maximum capacity, like say 12 inches or whatever on Rivian, wouldn't it almost feel like you have 300 pounds per inch uh, coil on your on your system? It would be that, if I, I believe so, right? Like, any, I, I don't think it would be a, any less cushiony. Yeah, and put in the chat, um, it's at Way of Life. That's, he did pretty extensive testing on that AccuAir lift, so I, I don't remember who said they were looking into it, but I don't know if you've seen that, but he did quite a bit. Certainly, uh, he he teamed up with them, and they gave him a Gladiator with with uh, with the Acura on it for a week or a month or whatever it was. And oh, that's so he nice. Ship with it, but what did he wheel it or just drive it up and down the road? What was that again, well, I Patrick? Think he wheeled it. Where was that again that we could it's see? It's in this? the Discord. It's in, it's the, in the, chat. the Discord as well. It's in both. I, I, for for our listeners that aren't in Discord. Discord. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's actually from the Acura website, but it's YouTube. Uh, Way of life. Way, Way of life. life. There we go. That's what I was yeah. wanting. To, yeah. It's, yeah. Under, it's uh, Greg from Underground Graphics, favorite YouTuber. Great, <laughs> yeah. He's a big Evo guy. See, I think the other place would be pretty useful is if you really hate off camber like John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you could level, the, you could level out the, the you could level out the Jeep, uh, John. <laughs> That's why I have adjustable shocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they ain't gonna level out your Jeep. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm also the one in front of the steering wheel, which is the biggest mod you can do to, to do that. Just drive around it. <laughs> Sometimes you don't have a choice. I was gonna say not every op- obstacle. Well, I know. Every to- time I don't have a choice is when Bill's out in front of me with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't bow to peer pressure. <laughs> So I, I, I mean, I know this. I know this wouldn't work on our Jeeps, but I, just as a, a price point, uh, they do still make air shocks, which I'm surprised. I haven't seen or heard anything about them in years, uh, and you can get two of them for seventy two bucks. And I'm just wondering if if air shocks would be more of a, a good way to uh, you know give a little more uh, jacking in the rear end. Pardon my uh, my phrase there uh, to, to carry heavy loads like uh, trailers and stuff. Interestingly, the last time I had air shocks. Do you remember how your cars rode back in the, you know, late 70s and early 80s? 
They rode like shit until the until the line dropped on the exhaust and melted through, and then they sunk. I uh, I blocked that from my memory. We actually just had to put air shocks on my um my avalanche while we were in Tennessee for a Great Smoky Mountain Jeep invasion. Towing my Jeep on the trailer on those switchbacks going up those mountains, we actually blew one of the airbags. Ah, so that's what we're talking about is airbags on EVs and we have them on our Jeeps. Yeah, so it scariest sound when, you know, you're going up and it's pitch black and it's like, you know, those scary tight roads <laughs> and it sounded like a gun went off. Who's, who's yeah. shooting at oh, me? Good. Come on, just coming on around. I'm, it's, it's fine. I'm going slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then to find a place where we could unload my Jeep off the trailer was uh -huh. you know, always a feat. But did, did you order the air shocks from J.C. Whitney? <laughs> I don't even know what J.C. Whitney is. But what is that's that's, 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 that's how old it is. Yeah, that's how old it is. Dating yourself. Yeah, J.C. Whitney, Whitney catalog, and I'm talking about the one with paper. You know, you kept it in the bathroom just in case you ran out. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, that was always a fun thing to flip through. No, uh, I'm, these are Monroe shocks that I'm seeing on uh, Amazon.com. Uh, so the uh, Monroe air shocks. Monroe was always the, as I recall, was the brand to go with way back in the uh, the early '80s when you were you know lifting up your rig to make it look like a dragster. They were kind of the go-to shocks. Mm -hmm. They still are for the for like my semi. I run Monroe's on here. So, what do you guys think? It, it sounds like to me it's a, it, it, pardon the pun, but it's a mixed bag whether you should have airbags on your Jeep or not. I don't. I think it, everybody agrees that it shouldn't be exclusively airbags, but maybe a combo of coils uh, and airbags. You need redundancy. Like if, if one part fails, and you could today ride with just a shock failure, and you know the springs will save your ass. You can't do the same with airbag system if it's exclusively only airbags. What one side is gone. You just That's, have to that, that was my concern, and I don't know what Rivian does. Well, you know, if you were to lose one airbag, it wouldn't it wouldn't stop you from leveling the vehicle out. I have uh, on on a semi. I got four airbags on my drives, and I've blown I've blown a bag on there before. All you do is just take the line off that bag and plug it. The other three lift it up and hold it hold it stable. I'm assuming that a, a Jeep airbag system would not have four airbags on the on the, all, all four corners. No, it'd be have one airbag, but it, well, it'd have one on each corner. But still, I mean, you could you could level somewhat level it off by just plugging that one bag. Yeah, but that's just on your drive axles, though, Roger. Yeah, but I'm saying you could you could potentially do the same thing with a with a Jeep a Jeep uh, a Jeep wheelbase that's probably roughly the same size as my drive axle wheelbase. <laughs> I mean, maybe on my TJ, but on a JK, you'd still have like a one corner would squat. I don't think it would squat all the way. I think the other three would hold it up. Well, let me ask you this. If you were to add uh, airbags, let's say to the rear of your Jeep for towing, uh, would that cause you any issues if you went to take your Jeep off road? No. Yeah, that, that air, the, yeah, that airlift setup that I was, I'm looking at getting for mine. Um, they just basically say to run them down to like a cup, just enough air to keep them expanded in the coil. But yeah, you can run them all the, all the way flat. Yeah, it's like five pounds. Yeah, yeah, you run them down to, so that they're they're not doing any good as far as the airbag itself, but they're also not getting pinched in between the right. coils. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you could uh, it w it wouldn't be a detriment, and uh, you would be able to put that in there. And and I guess you could go cheap with uh, just having one that you used a. Uh, external air compressor to fill up. Yeah. 
Yeah. At worst case, you are running a progressive bump, bump stop. That's about it. Yeah. Not going to hurt. Yeah. It, it, that well, actually it actually sounds like it would be an, a, a less expensive uh, progressive bump stop than some of the other ones out there. And, and, and really, if you had um, like air lockers with the with the air reservoir, you could almost put um, like a air valve with a pressure gauge built in, and you could literally right right, right in your console just turn the valve and you know dial in how much pressure you want, um, which is almost exactly the same thing they do on dump trucks with a tag axle. When you got a tag axle, you know, an extra axle, if it's tri-axle or quad-axle, those extra axles, generally inside the truck, there's a, a dial you turn, and when you turn it, it just puts more air in, and you just you just look at the, the gauge to see how much pressure it's got. So, uh, uh, whenever you go to let the air pressure out, do you actually have to, like, put like your earring down a tire, have to put something on uh, the, no. the air up thing, or how do you actually let the air out of the airbags? On, on what I'm talking about, no, you just turn the dial. Schrader valve, yeah. No, I'm talking about the one, the cheap system where you just... Uh, oh, yeah, Schrader valve, yeah. Schrader valve. I think there are systems that test it electronically. It's very similar to how you add up an air down. There's a meter that shows what PSI your airbag is at. You can switch it on, it brings on the compressor, and you can you know turn it off. Just like the Kraken kind of system. Yeah. And there's nothing to say you couldn't put that Schrader valve in, you know, that up in the cab with the, with the pressure gauge attached to it, you know? Need one of those big so uh, those big valves like you have on the the house water water line. Just put that on the dash so you could the steampunk way. It all depends on how much money you want to spend. Like I've been looking into the like helper system for my dually, and you know I can do it as cheap as like two hundred and fifty bucks, hooking an air hose from my compressor in the shop to it, or it can go up to like a thousand dollars where it's all electronically controlled and it'll dump air and add air as I want with a platoon compressor. You know, it's just, it all comes down to how well, much you spend. Yeah. Well, the YouTubers and like for the $1,000 uh, option, I'll just tell you. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, for those of us that already have onboard air, though, I mean, we already got part of the system on board. You know, that's probably, the bags are, you know, pricey, but I bet we want to bet you that the, the onboard air or the airbags and you know that stuff is probably the uh, a big chunk of the cost of it. Whereas we already have onboard air; all we need is bags. And the so the compressor and line. the valving, depending on what valve system. Yeah. Yeah. And you could build that pretty pretty easily. So airbags for a Jeep are not uh, something that's just ridiculous. It's actually a, a potential, uh, but it, uh, and I think everybody agrees, it's not, you don't want it as the primary uh, way of uh, uh, gaining uh, altitude for your, uh, for your body between the axles and the body. Uh, but as a, a helper, uh, it sounds like a good, uh, a good alternative. Uh, does anybody have an idea? That. Does anybody have an idea of the price range? Well, I, I, we know the upper price range is the sky. Uh, what anybody uh, lower price range? Is it is the two hundred and fifty the the lower price range for a Jeep? I thought the airlift ones were uh, just a little over a hundred. Yeah, one hundred and fifty for a rear jet. Just two two yeah. Well, if you're towing with your Jeep, or more likely towing with your Gladiator, or maybe you need this information for your tow rig, uh, this is uh, sounds like a, a great option that you may have not already been aware of. $116 on Amazon. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So, uh, good. And they actually have air kits, too. They have suspension air kits, too, not just for helper. Those are the ones that go inside the springs, correct? Yes. Okay, yeah. The stuff yes. I'm looking at, like, for my dually for a tow rig is, like, 
you have a separate bag outside of your spring. Yeah, dually is a whole different yeah. uh, scenario. Yeah, they, they have those two. You got a lot more to lift in the back end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you probably lift on a lot more weight too. Yeah, yeah that's for people going a fifth wheel and shit. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's jump to our next question. Uh, are you considering buying an EV truck or car, and would it replace your Jeep? No, so I've actually been looking at this quite a bit in the last month because I'm kind of semi looking for a new daily driver, and I drive about 150 to 200 miles a day. So, is that round trip or one buying line? a new car plus fuel or an EV? And the cheapest EV I found is somewhere in the forty thousand dollar range, mm-hmm. you know, give or take a little. Versus, I could buy a smaller SUV where I can still fit my family in it if we need to go to town or go to other errands, and be in the twenty five thousand dollars range. And for fifteen grand, I could buy a lot of fuel. I was just I was going to say, is the one fifty round trip or one way? Uh, that's uh, two and back. Okay, so round trip. So yeah, EV would uh, would work in that uh, that regard. How, yeah. did, did you, I mean, we don't know when the Cybertruck is going to come out. I have heard October is a definite maybe, uh, and uh, seventy to eighty thousand, depending on the number of electric motors that you want in it. So that might be uh, pricey. I do believe the range is going to be uh, higher than the uh, uh, the Tesla uh, cars because they just have more room for batteries. I believe that's correct. It may be a different type of battery. So, um, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I just, I get to think that, uh, I, I mean, people do. I know uh, Bill and John both have uh, commuter vehicles. I would just hate to drive around scraping my butt on the ground like that when I have a Jeep, especially a lifted Jeep. Uh, we have a friend that has the, I forget the exact model, but it's the car model from Kia that uh, is the EV. And um, they took it to Tennessee last year. And wow. they said they would get on the top end close to 400 miles a charge and charging on the way to and from Tennessee wasn't bad. So the theory is not bad there. It's the, to me, it's the, that 15 grand extra that you're paying for that car. I can buy a lot of fuel in a car that gets 35 or 40 miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. Not to I mention how much is it going to cost you in electricity too? Yeah. People don't often think of that when they think electric, oh, they think, well, Oh, it's free. It's yeah. Electricity's free. free, man. What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you still got to pay for that, too. And, I mean, how much is your time worth? You know? I mean, if you guys sit someplace for 12, 14 hours to wait for your vehicle to charge, mm-hmm. how much well, is your time I, worth? What is it, 45 minutes or 80%? From, I'm outside of DFW, and they went up to the Nash, outside of Nashville area, and she said they never really stopped for more than 20 to 30 minutes for anything. So it wasn't terrible. Like, you consider stopping to fuel up if you're going in with a whole family into a station, going to the bathroom, <laughs> buying snacks. Twenty like minutes. There. Twenty minutes is a good turnaround time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what so vehicles charging in twenty minutes? Well, it wasn't fully charging, but they were, you know, seventy-eight percent in in twenty minutes. I think something like that. So, yeah. so, so, what are they stopping like every half hour? No, I mean, like she said, they would get you know out of a full charge, they'd get close to four hundred miles. Four hundred miles would be closer to what uh, three hours, four hours. Yeah, I mean, it's better than what you get on a miles, out of a JL. That's, that's more like six hours. Yeah, that's true. And and not only that, I mean, you can say, okay, it's only four or four hundred miles. It'll take you four hundred miles. But I mean, if I'm taking a trip like driving out to Denver, 
it's a thousand miles. So that's basically going to take me two and a half days in an EV. That's that that would take me a day in my personal car. Well, let me uh, let me. I'll look up the mileage real quick. So again, what's your what's your what's your time worth to you? I well, rather, there's, like, there's I mean, more than that too. I mean, you can't you can't discard the whole concept of I can I can fill up my tank of gas in any dump in yes, any town yes, in in the absolutely. U.S. and and it may be shit gas, but at least it'll get me moving again. Whereas I can't just plug into somebody's, you know, outhouse. <laughs> knock, knock on the door. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, plug hey, into hey, your these house. These days get shot at doing that. That's right. Hey, you know your there. banjos. Yeah. They said they didn't Those have green. issues. Hey, planning. 20 bucks is 20 bucks. For charging, but they also put that into the nav systems in those cars. Like they let you know where chargers are. Yeah, but those ranges that you're given too, I mean that that changes depending on where you are. If you're out in the Rockies, that's not gonna you're not gonna get that range. If you're if you're in uh Nebraska, you're not gonna get that range. Even though it's flat, it's extremely windy most days, uh, or even across Wyoming. I was gonna I say mean, I remember Kansas is probably upwards of a thousand, it's so flat. <laughs> but I, but yeah. I, well I, and actually it was car and driver car and driver does say that it gets three hundred and ten EPA estimated miles. So yeah, yeah. you also you also gotta realize. I mean, if you're doing it, yes, you're gonna have to plan different. If you're also taking yeah. a B out on a on a long trip, you're gonna have to plan. You're driving your semi. You're not gonna take the same route I ended up taking a lot of places. You won't be allowed to go on some of those mountain passes. You're too long, too big, or whatever, right? Well, so, and like oh, and bridges. There's something else you gotta plan for. I don't, I don't think Low it's a bridges. Yeah. Well, and especially like if you're like me or like they are, like you got two young kids, you're stopping every couple of hours for. Half an hour. Well, you know, with young kids, I'm, I got an old man bladder already, right? And you're stopping regardless. <laughs> if you pick up that coffee or whatever else, you're going to have to stop. And, and what I, I think that you got to look at this as a business opportunity, too, right? These charging stations, we've got the next truck stops or the next Bucky's kind of thing, right? Use the Bucky's, yeah. all right? You go oh, yeah. In fact, if you're going anywhere in Texas, at least on the east side of it, you just go from Bucky's to Bucky's to Bucky's. They got charging stations. You're going to spend at least 30 minutes inside. Just wandering around. Oh, right. I know here what in Michigan, do you, what do you just do with about it? every tourist stop here in Michigan has a charging station. I think one or two oh, or yeah. three charging spots. So oh, Michigan. While you're, while you're parked and exploring the forest or whatever, your car's sitting back in the parking lot getting a full charge. Okay. Yeah, and, and there, was a, there was a guy in an F F one fifty lightning on his way on his way back or on my way back from uh from Moab and I and I met up with him right there on the, at the Colorado um Wyoming state line and he was rather pissed because he was standing there next to a electric charging station that was broken with a with a F one fifty lightning that claimed he had a uh, hundred miles left in, in, in range, but yet it was dead. So there he stood yeah. with his well, head down, waiting wait for, wait for the flatbed to get there and load them up. Somebody with a gas can on the highway. <laughs> this is the there's same problem we have with cell phones and computers. There's going to be places where it doesn't make sense and it's going to be problematic, right? But I think if you're if you're applying the eighty percent rule, and if you're looking at a commuter especially, and you can afford something like say I don't know a Rivian, because I've been looking at those, they they are pretty uh pretty awesome. But if you're going to have one for 80% of your driving, it does perfectly on it. Then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to gonna sweat the edge cases. Like right now, I don't have a truck. So if I need one, I got to go to Lowe's and want one or whatever. Um, that's that 20%. I found that most of the time I don't need one. But, you know, when I do, I know where to go get one. Right. So I, I feel like I those situations, 
plan accordingly. If I know I'm going to go to a place that may be way out in the boondocks, hell, I may slap a generator in the back of the whole tank. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as there's a gas station and you have a generator with you, you have a charging ability. Yeah, just <laughs> imagine you that a grand wagoneer without a trailer. A very similar story happened to me and my buddies this past weekend, except we were in a diesel truck. It was late at night. We were up north. We were out of fuel. Closest fuel station there was in sight. Pull up. It's closed. Now we have to drive 30 miles on E already in a diesel truck because the diesel station was closed. Mm -hmm. That's that's just like your EV story. (laughs) <laughs> so and my cousin who was at the, planning. Uh, you can look at the event can. with us so my cousin who was at the event with us drives a tesla and he and i have sat across the table and had very similar conversation <laughs> this and i'll tell you what when he maps it out and shows it to me there isn't anywhere i can go in my gas that much faster than he's going to go in his tesla because i'm an old man who got a pee every 25 miles i gotta stop anyways but when he shows it to me, he can go to his mom and dad's in Oklahoma City and visit them. And his route isn't going to be that much different than mine. Time-wise, stops for bathroom breaks and stuff. So with planning, the EV ain't that bad. And I was out in Shamrock, Texas on my way back from the event in, in Marble Falls. And I pull into an old tourist trap town. And here's a giant Tesla charging station. Now I've started watching. I see them more than I ever thought. I never paid attention to it before. Right. They're everywhere. Yeah, and this, really and this is the main problem. The, this is the problem with EVs is either either the perce- perception that there's not char- enough charging stations or the reality of it. I don't know which is which. But uh, it, if, if you're in a large is, metropolitan area, then you, you may see more. But that's interesting about the, the podunk uh, town that you're talking about and the charging stations. And this is where um, I think uh, Tesla is doing a great job. They're, they got the money and they have the forethought that if you want to sell these vehicles, people need to be able to charge them. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's like Louis. It, you used to go like if you were traveling from Texas to California, going through New Mexico and Arizona, even in a gas car, there were hundred mile stretches where there were no stations. Right. And you had to plan for that. It's the same idea. You just have to plan for it. Larry, what were you going to say? I was going to say I, we get I get all over the country, and periodically I'll just uh, search charger near me. Well, I don't have a vehicle that needs charged, but you'd be surprised. Even some of the most obscure areas, there's a full there's full banks of chargers, and especially with uh, Tesla opening up their charger to all the other platforms. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Tesla. Tesla has done a really good job of placing those in areas like rest stops or around us. For some reason, Tesla chargers and bandanas seem to be a thing. But they've done a really good job of putting them in places you're probably going to stop anyway for some reason. So you can just hop off real quick. Yeah, wait, what's the, like the, is, wait, what's a bandana or is that still the cloth <laughs> thing that you put in your pocket? No, that's a... So up here in St. Louis, that's a... Uh, in Missouri, I should say, it's a, a barbecue joint. 
Oh, okay. interesting. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Jamie, because I thought I was thinking actual bandana. I was thinking uh, a redneck oh, right. COVID mask. <laughs> the same well, thing. Uh, the same a lot thing of the grocery stores, Walmarts are adding them too. Like CVS has yeah, them. Walgreens yeah. has them. Right. My yeah, wife and same. I went to an, an HEB, which I'm sure some of you aren't familiar with HEB. It's a grocery store. Uh, and by the way, their, but, their store brand is better than sometimes the the original brands anyway uh we we went to this new uh heb over here kind of close to us kind of the ritzy area of uh, where i live and my god there must have been 20 tesla charging stations at that heb well hey, movie, movie theaters up here have them that's a good well, idea like i live in a rural town and i have to go to another town to go to a walmart like i have to drive 20 miles to get to a walmart my god you are in the sticks if you, you are in texas yeah. yeah if you're in texas <laughs> you're you need to drive that far to a walmart <laughs> Yeah. So, so how how many more people do you think would have to buy an EV before EV charging stations would be mostly populated by people when you try to stop and charge? Five percent, ten percent. I mean, well, I, I, bet uh, 10, 10, I bet you have ten percent. I bet you have ten percent of people bought went out and bought an electric vehicle right now. The first holiday that would come up. Everybody would be out on the road, and you'd be sitting there waiting in line to charge your vehicle, or yeah. you'd be you'd be running your battery dead, jumping from one charging station to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, trying to find the one that doesn't have somebody parked at it. I mean, it's just not feasible right now. Well, it's going to get to a point where you're going to have separate stations. You're going to have your fuel station. You're going to have your EV station. But maybe and then the all EV those all have... those closed down gas stations you see in small towns aren't going to be gas stations anymore. They're going to be sitting on a giant. Ourselves. Well, they're going to be fuel stations. Hey, I, I wonder if wonder if these guys with little hats and little white outfits will run around, run out there and. That's what I was just thinking because they can make wash your windshield, check your oil, lunch and dinner off you. What you guys got to look at too is sorry, Steve from Chicago is to put a gas station in. Right, you have all the EPA requirements, so fuel stations have to be very selective. There's a lot of regulation stuff you go through. The EV chargers they can put up anywhere. True. You know, yeah. Rest, fast food restaurants. It's a prime location for that because if you're going to stop and eat anyway, bam, and they can do that on on a dime in a couple months' time. Especially when you think about the fact Jeep right now is taking a page out of Tesla's book. They're putting their EV solar chargers in off-road parks yeah. and all over yeah, the place. That's right. That they, people they're, are going to take leading, their four by eight. They've actually been leading Tesla, I think, to a certain degree on this and certainly on the off-road environments. Hey, I just thought I of something. This is one of those Jeep Talk Show million-dollar ideas. You guys may have already oh. thought of it. Uh, places, someplace you have to stop uh, for 20 minutes anyway, why not make it a restaurant? So I'm thinking like Sonic. Yeah. And also, too, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I follow Tesla because I'm a, a stockholder. Uh, Tesla has purchased a German company that does, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the inductive charging. So these ground-based uh, things like you would put your phone on, except this is for, oh, for vehicles. So you could literally, you could literally, yeah, you could literally see where you just let's go eat at Sonic because I can charge my vehicle and we'll just eat there, you know, while we're waiting for the charge. And you just pull up into the spot, it starts charging. Uh, your butt gets a little warm with all the uh, electricity going through it, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My just walk, I walk, I'd park off by one foot and it wouldn't charge right. <laughs> yeah, the light flash warning when you pull in the parking lot just may cause cancer to park in our stalls. What's that, Bob? <laughs> They they already have charging stations at some of the truck stops. If you pull in and look off to the side, you'll see a bank of Tesla chargers. And then there's your regular diesel and gas pumps. And there's a Denny's in the truck stop and a Subway. And 
a McDonald's or Taco John's or whatever, Taco Bell, mm -hmm. it's no different than you pull up, you pump your gas and you pull off to the side part, go in and get your snacks, eat your Denny's. Well, I mean, only now you don't go to the pump. You just pull right up, plug in your charger. The whole family goes in. You get your grand slam breakfast. And 30 minutes later, you come out and you're at 85% charge. Well, how cold it is, is it, though? You pull up in Sonic and it starts charging. You wait for your food. You get your food. It's charging. And then whenever you get your, your ticket, there's a, uh, an additional charge on there for the electricity that you used. So uh, this yeah, is going to well, be interesting. And it, it, the more convenient you can make it, and especially if you have a, a friend that you're telling about, hey, we went to Sonic, and it could be any restaurant, any drive-up restaurant. Uh, we, we went to Sonic, and uh, I, I was able to charge the vehicle. Or, I mean, how many Sonics are there, are, do you see when you're traveling across the country? I, I saw a bunch of them going to EJS. Waffle Houses. Ours got closed down. Sonic, no, why not? Houses. Sonic is the most. There's, Waffle Houses still have citation restaurants. citations parked in front of them. Well, <laughs> if it's Sonics or anything like they are up here, you get a full charge before you get your food anyway. Before we start thinking about scale problems of how to increase the number of EV charging stations, the main problem is actually fuel density. So if you compare yes. to what yes. fuel density, you know, your petrol and diesel represent, electric is like an order of magnitude less efficient. Exactly. Unless you get solid state batteries and, you know, equate the same fuel density and charging speed, that's when you can actually scale that. Until that happens, the slow growth of EVs is actually good. Otherwise, we'll end up with other problems of queuing up for charging stations. <laughs> where, where we get the power. And I, I saw this thing about the, the Tesla truck and the amount of electricity needed to charge those uh, two 18,000, I'm sorry, 8,000 pound batteries was more than some cities. So, uh, yeah, there's the whole issue of uh, where do you get the power? So, uh, yeah, we need to get uh, fusion uh, pretty quickly. There needs to be a huge upgrade upgrade on the electrical grid before that's ever going to happen. True. Yeah. yeah. Very true. I'll, think, I'll I'll give Tesla with their banks. Like there's every time I go about to see a Tesla bank, there's always a dozen or so of them. It's not like they put one random charger. No, exactly. But and also, I think most of the issues that we've been talking about on them have been for long haul traveling. I mean, if you're a truck driver, that's that's all the time. But most of us, that's maybe once or twice a year that you're going to be. Oh no, and, and that's, a, an yeah, that's, that's an excellent. Yeah, that's an excellent And that's the big fear: is how am I? I get this thing. How far am I going to be able to go? So that's. I think that's the big fear in uh, purchasing an EV. But that, that's right, a really good point, point, John. To be driving, that's talking like I'm trying to do the gumball rally. Most people, when they're driving across country, they're only doing. Four, five hundred miles a day. But, but that's, that's, again, that's a traveling use case. If I'm thinking of an uh, electric vehicle right now, the only time I would be looking at it would be for a commuter. And if your commute is 20, 30 miles one way at, at a maximum or whatever it is, um, you know, if you get 300 miles out of a charge, you're charging up once or twice a week, maybe. Mm. And you can, hey. you can probably do that, like you said, going to lunch. Just, hey, let me take my car to lunch today when we're all going out to lunch somewhere. And just charge it up. So, from a commuter point of a commuter car point of view, I think they make a lot of sense. I think. It's oh the, yeah, uh, absolutely. But that's and that's kind of my argument. Way. That's kind yeah. of my argument is it's a spare vehicle. It makes right. a lot of sense as a spare vehicle, and a lot of us can't afford a spare vehicle. We need one that does everything. Uh, John, do they have chargers uh, where you work? EV chargers? Not, not next to where I work, but I will, but right beside where I work, you could actually walk there if you wanted to. Is the uh, Cap Metro train station? And they have chargers in the parking lot there. So if I wanted to park over there and just 
walk across the uh, railroad tracks or whatever I could, I could get to my office. But there's five different places and restaurants around me that I could go pull up to to have lunch that day, and, and there's charging stations in the parking lot. Oh, that's those. a good point, oh. yeah. So, so what, what, what is, and, and I don't know, and I apologize, what is the charge cycle time for a full charge? Is it? It varies from vehicle. It's got to be and a it, window, though. 30, well, and it 40 minutes. The voltage on on oh, hell no, hours, forty, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's like depends 14, on the, 15 hours. Something yeah, it depends like that. on how much current you have available. Yeah, four six hours. If you charge it up overnight at your house in your garage, you don't um, notice it. And you you could probably drive for a couple of days without charging it again. And I mean, I'll put this. I've got a, a buddy of mine that's got a Tesla, one of the plaids, and that we've taken it a few times to the airport for for business trips. And he's left in the airport for a full week, and we still get it and drive home. And it was picking, collecting me, and then driving the airport is probably sixty miles, and then the same thing on the way back, and had no issues with that at all. Right. So for a commuter around town, if that's your commuter vehicle, again, not your primary only vehicle there is, because there's a lot of issues. But if you live in a urban area and it, it does make a lot of sense, even in today's technology. Although, I think the grid is still a problem because I know here, when it gets to be about 110 or in the ice buckets or whatever, I know in California, about the problems, they tell people, hey, don't charge because it's putting too much you know, strain on the grid. Yeah, so, stay your you ass know. at home. I, John, yeah, I really I thought you were going to go, go a different direction. You took the Tesla Plaid to the airport to race jets. I was That's what I was hoping you were going to say. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. You get on one I, think, <laughs> I think if they could figure out a way to upgrade the electrical grid first, then, you'd have, then, then you could stop worrying about the, the capacity of your battery or how long it takes no, to charge. Just shut because down then the you, that, that, no, because then, then you could look at, I mean, do you remember the old cars that we used to race when we were kids that you had the little trigger you'd pull and you put the car on the track it had the two brushes on the Black bottom cars. you know you, you yeah you Black got you cars. get your you got your you got your power from the track it wasn't there wasn't a battery in that car well the I mean, inductive... so if, you, if you could upgrade the grid or or like you're talking you're about to say like conductive like conducting electricity some other way you don't have to worry about battery capacity it's, it's like bumper cars yeah, but, but you're also asking have that antenna thing sticking up is they're electrically powered from yeah. the ceiling well, I mean, what with, this is stuff we were talking about. It'd be a hell of an infrastructure thing, but you could put the inductive charging in roads. So you literally yeah. could be charging your vehicle as you drove down the road. Uh, 35 has been under construction as long as I can remember. Well, they might as well yeah. add it now, right? <laughs> uh, we can't even keep asphalt square in Minnesota. How are we going to keep these wires? Well, yeah. the, key, the, the key to that, the key to that is the name asphalt. <laughs> I think, I think in the short term, if you want to, if you had a, just, just get you a tow behind generator for long trips. Exactly, solar panels. Other than that, just use your, you know, use it to commute back and forth short, short trips. But rent, rent you a giant, a giant diesel generator to pull behind it. So well, you got, I absolutely can't, can't I absolutely, go buy a, a gas hauler trailer and do the same thing with my JT. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, this is oh, what we need. This, this like they do mid air refueling with the Air Force. We need mid air uh, mid road refueling with our uh, our jeeps. Great oh, idea. That's go. that's a like, virgin uh, business. <laughs> like, like John said, if you're, you're in an urban area, 
Well, like I always like to say, the uh, the roundtable conversation goes on and on. And what a great conversation. Uh, everybody has something, uh, their own thoughts about EVs. And I'm glad John mentioned some of the things that he mentioned. And it was great hearing from Bob talking about uh, Bo Dunk U having uh, charging stations because I'm sure it's going to get better. And that's one of the issues with EV vehicles for me personally is uh, how far can I go? Uh, I mean, right now, the only thing I'm limited by is how much money I got in the, in the bank account and uh, fueling stations, which are everywhere uh, in the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean. Uh, so, you know, uh, that that's a great feeling that you have a vehicle that you know that you could just get in and at any moment and drive just about as far as you want to go uh, and uh, see something with an EV because it's an unknown and, you know, the unknown always scares us. Then it makes you consider, well, what's going to happen when I get out there and I can't get a charge and, I, and I'm just, I'm stuck. So, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, that's going to change as time goes on. And uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with the EV vehicles. Uh, but uh, just like uh, Gray Wolf was uh, telling us earlier, there is a problem with energy density. Uh, we need to get a lot more energy inside those batteries so that they stay charged for a much longer period of time while we're driving. I mean, if you could go a thousand miles on a, on a single charge. And that pretty much that makes it more likely that you're going to be able to find another charging station. And what if we had something that wasn't a battery? Maybe a battery is the backup. Maybe the primary is something that generates electricity. That would be the ultimate thing. That would be like, uh, you know, like I've mentioned before, the uh, dilithium crystals on the Enterprise. It it generates its own electricity to use there on uh, the ship. That's what would be really cool. And the ability to scan for life forms. All right, so didn't get to all the questions, but man, what a great conversation on the questions we uh, we got to. So coming up on our next JTS interview episode, that's this Friday, Mary with Rubber Duck Regatta. Oh, I think I said it right. You could win a Jeep like JTS team member Andrew did last year. Yes, rat bastard. We'll just, I'll just, I'll just say it right here. Listen to episode 892 this Friday for more information on how you may win your very own brand new Jeep. And that brings us to the end of another exhilarating Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode. I want to express my deepest gratitude to our incredible panel of Jeep enthusiasts for sharing their valuable insights, experiences, and expertise with us today. Your passion for Jeep is truly inspiring, and we're grateful for your contributions. I also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our listeners who joined us on this adventure. Your support and enthusiasm are what keep us motivated to bring you the best Jeep content out there. Remember to subscribe to our Patreon page. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you'll see right there at the top of the page how you can subscribe, and you will unlock exclusive perks and join our community of passionate Jeepers. Until next time, keep those Jeeps running strong, hit those trails with confidence, and remember, it's not just a vehicle, it's a way of life. This has been Tony hosting the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episode, and we'll catch you on the next ride. Thanks again to TrailsOffRoad.com for sponsoring this roundtable episode. Support the sponsors that help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. Visit TrailsOffRoad.com right now. And another shout out to all the Jeep Talk Show team members that make all that we do better and sometimes possible. Follow us on Instagram so you can meet some of these uh, Jeep Talk Show team members at events. Broadcasting since 2010.